Hello, friends, and welcome to We the Church, simple conversation of what it looks like or could look like to meaningfully and authentically follow Jesus together in our everyday experience. I'm Phil Rice, and I'm here with my good friends Lance Humphreys and Tim Ulrich, taking the conversations that have been significant for us and creating a conversational archive that will hopefully be significant for you as well. Well, guys, welcome back. It's good to be sitting here with you guys again. Today's questions, I think, are going to be interesting, kind of stemming off what we just talked about in that last one. What are your views on busyness and its impact on community? You know, so when when we're talking about busyness, I think um, it's so easy just, just to get caught up in the things that we have to do instead of relating to the people that we're around um, it's easy to hit the checklist and the calendar and drive from here to there without taking space and time to rest with one another, um, taking time to, uh, I think the, the language that Lance used earlier um, was being known by one another. It's really easy just to kind of like touch and go just because we don't have margin or space to to relate to one another i mean it is so tricky to kill the the busy bodiness that is wired within at least me and from people i know in this culture (laughs) um we as americans have have been just programmed to be constantly doing or or just task oriented um and it seems like as a and within a culture of a disciple, they have more of a rhythm of learning to be, and even learning to be still. Um, that is so, so tricky to just sit. I'm not good at it. Um, not good at it at all. But I, I just feel like that's the counter to busyness, and uh, I'm always thinking if I'm just sitting there, what am I going to, what's this accomplishing? Um, but... I think busyness is just an absolute destruction to uh, to community because you're 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 not how would I say this? It's like um, you're you're not creating time within your margin to to giving yourself to others. It's more of like self serving, I guess you could say. Or hmm. it's it's just I, I I only know as a perspective <laughs> is it's it's cancerous. I don't have the words really to to sum it up yet, but. Maybe Lance, you can spring off of that, or if you have any mojo there. Well, I mean, I, this is probably an area where I personally am trying to experience growth and have learned so much <laughs> from watching both of you guys, and especially the rhythms of life in the refuge community, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and just the challenge to kind of the unspoken values of the American dream and. You know, we're coming out of the industrial or modern age that valued, you know, um, hard work and and efficiency above all. I mean, the 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 metaphor of the industrial age is the clock, you know, or the and or the assembly line, mm. and uh, and we've or we've willy nilly yeah, bought into this idea that really anything that is of value. 
um, you, you had to grind for. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just, we love the grinder is kind of the hero of, mm. of our current culture. I mean, just the, the, the hero entrepreneur that's sleeping at the office and, you know, I mean, that's, that's the hero of our culture and that's not the picture in the Bible mm. as we see the concept of shalom over and over and over. And even Jesus, I mean, he could have started the most crazy, you know, organizational, institutional, you know, stuff, had the biggest conferences, everything. And instead, he just walks around telling stories and sharing meals with people and really with just a few people was his M.O. And right when things get hot and heavy, he takes off Hmm. and just goes to get some rest time and talk, talk to his father uh, I think I personally have so much to learn in this area and, and, uh, and I think it's huge for really learning to do life together and show an alternative to our culture. I mean, do people who follow Jesus live differently? Tim, I love what you, um, your observation about how people in our culture use vacation and cherish cherish it, and just the mm-hmm. some of the things you share with me around that. Yeah, I mean, I just see the system often in a bigger picture. Um, so I don't really talk too much about tangibles on the individual, but more as a culture. So I mean. I don't want to be known as the guy who hates vacations, but because <laughs> uh, you just took you just took one. I know, man. Yeah. Well, we didn't even call it that because we were. No. <laughs> we just call it a family getaway. There you go. Um, um, but really, it seems like so many people are exhausted to real high levels and really anxious and depressed as a result. And this culture is just imploding again. I call it fourth world, the rising of fourth world a relational poverty culture, and it's due to the busybodiness, uh, task-oriented culture. Um, and as a result, people are trying to do more and do more and do more, whether it's work-related or nonprofit-oriented or just doubling down on just more stuff. And as a result, uh, people are super, super exhausted, and there's no shalom in the home because everybody's so busy. Uh, the relational poverty starts right there at the dinner table between the husband and wife and then the kids. It's just everyone's so busy, so there's no depth relationally. And so as a result, to try to get away from the chaos, people love the vacation industry because that sucker, it offers <laughs> this this bliss of rest that maybe, I mean, I, one of my high school speeches at graduation was, man, I, I, I want... Um, I mean, I basically was saying I want the American dream with a, a steady job, work my way up to some CEO position of a Fortune 500 company, uh, the three-bedroom, two-bath, and uh, and two weeks of vacation each year, you know? And, uh, and then just realizing, like, what if actually the idea is actually finding rest within the home hmm. um, instead of escaping from the home and, uh, and finding really more of, like, 
doing less actually creates a rest within the home. And so you don't need to escape. It's actually now as followers of Christ or as disciples of the way, you're actually, you're actually by doing less, uh, kind of creating this picture of like a rest within your home. And so then it becomes more of a contagiousness to your neighbors, to your left and your right of how do we then all enter into the rest mm. and uh, instead of the unrest that we find so often in our home and then run to this place called Disneyland, they say is the happiest place on earth, which you'll be depressed after you see how much money you spend. <laughs> <clears throat> Man. Yeah, I think um, like a, an analogy that kind of comes to mind in this idea of busyness is... Um, when I think of creativity and output from a creative place, it's impossible to do that in a state of stress and busyness. It's impossible for me. Maybe it's maybe that's helpful for some people, but I just can't find inspiration. I can't find creativity. Um, I don't. I don't make good decisions when I'm busy and stressed. Uh, and so I. It, but when I do give myself margin and give myself that space personally as a as a creative person, um, that's kind of where my best stuff comes from. Like the best ideas for whether it's for um, the organization that I lead or whether it's for music that I'm writing or things I'm writing uh, or, you know, blog posts or whatever. Like I think um, margin is so necessary for to just create on a individual level. And I think you can really take that and develop that in terms of as a family or a group of friends, a small community that if we don't have space to rest together and to be together, um, in a low stress environment, then we really can't grow together. Like I, when I think of creativity, I think of, growing this, uh, you know, you're growing this plant or you're growing this, you know, organism of whatever kind. And it just takes time and space to stretch out and to get bigger and to flower and to fruit. And I think of doing that with other people who also are, are personally cultivating that level of personal creativity you develop this thing together that's really beautiful because your ideas overlap. You have time to share ideas. Um, as a, you know, for me and Becky, when we have space to rest and to be creative individually, then our creativity overlaps and we, we have more in common. We're knitting ourselves together, even through ideas and concepts. And it's just those, it's that space to dream together and to be creative um, both personally and then as a small group of people, you know, what would it look like, you know, for the Jesus follower, it's like, what would it look like for us to be light in this environment together? Um, I think it's impossible to do that if all we're doing is fulfilling the marching orders that either we gave ourselves six months ago or our calendar is now giving us. There's no real room to breathe and to grow authentically.
from your perspective, guys, what are some helpful ways to create margin in your life in order to gain more capacity for togetherness? I think proximity is a big one. Like when I, when I think of togetherness and mundane activity, you know, it's really hard to be mundane <laughs> with people who are like across town or who I really don't have any overlap with. Um, so I think that would be a, mm-hmm. I think that's a big one. Yeah. We say, we say often like there's a lot of time between intentionality and unintentional times. And it's a lot of stuff that's in the unintentional times. That's the mojo. It's mm. kind of weird. Like, I think that's what you mean by the mundane spaces yeah. or times. It's like, because we're so calendar based and that's, we, we value those little time slots versus like, man, what if like there was like all that was blurry and there was like all this, like just the spontaneous things that happen are actually sometimes the, the juiciest. Um, yeah, I get it. I get it, man. I, I mean, you guys are teaching teaching us in this area, but I I agree. I mean, our my favorite nights of the week right now for sure are those times where we didn't have any plans. We're here at the Robinson House, and our housemates just happen to also not have plans, and we're just we just get some moments to just hang and laugh, and mm-hmm. um, those are the absolute mm-hmm. best best mm-hmm. nights. Now, I mean. It's also super special when people who are really core community that we're not in daily life with, we got to schedule it. But when yeah. we're together, it's you know, power hour. Um, yeah. But but there's nothing like just the the Holy Spirit spirit serendipity of just hanging out together in mm-hmm. proximity and seeing what God does through just relationship and hanging out mm-hmm. a, a cheese ball statement i came up with maybe <laughs> or i stole it i can't remember um as far as like trying to address like because often people are trying to figure out what's the difference between obedience and opportunities because there's like this there's these these things that can rob um rob us from our our margin in, in life um and there's because I think there's just a thousand opportunities every day for everyone to try to figure out something to do, whether it's work related or just nowadays there's something new on the calendar all the time. Um, and a phrase that I was using a lot was it's basically openings that lead to obedience versus opportunities that lead to obligations. And mm. The openings, to try to discern what the difference between openings are and opportunities can be a little blurry, but the key in all of it in, in what learning what to do, and so you can be pointed in a, in a, in a right direction, it seems like it's, it's all going to flow from a place of being that leads to obedience and just getting to a place of listening to the voice so that you do know what to go do. And that's the life that Jesus seemed to live. He would only say or do what he heard the Father saying or doing. Apart from that, he really wasn't outside of that. So there were times where he was full. His schedule was full. Mm-hmm. He's exhausted. He's taking naps and during a stormy night on a boat. He's asleep because he's exa- there's some there's there is a work involved in in this kingdom life. But the way to get sheep off the path 
is to create a million opportunities so that we're absolutely doing nothing. And mm. it feels more like we're hamsters on a hamster wheel versus like really taking ground. Um, and really to me, the ground taking is really within the hearts and the minds of the individuals. And I also think there's something about in the, the reason why a lot of times people are, might struggle with the differences between openings and obligations is because they don't know what to trust and who to trust. Um, I think that's one of those tricky things within community is learning how to trust each other when others within the community might say, man, that doesn't feel good. Well, what do you mean that doesn't feel good? Mm. Those are really hard moments because it feels like it's a sweet opportunity. This has to be an, an opportunity the Lord's giving, you know, kind of thing. And you grapple with it and grapple with it. But there's times where, like, you can say yes to too many things. And, yeah, I think it's super important to learn how to say no. It's super mm. important to know how to prune off. Um, yeah, it's tricky, though, because no one wants to be left off the, the invite <laughs> list, you know? Yeah. And we're all groomed to, to network our faces off, but I don't even know what I mean by that. <laughs> hmm. Uh, so what would you say to, um, I don't know, I'd love to hear what you guys would say to somebody who is, you know, neck deep in busyness, like how long does it take to get unstuck from that spot? And if I'm like listening to this conversation and I kind of need to know like what I'm in for, what would you guys say to that? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like, Lance, you want me to take that for a second? Or? Go, man. Go. I mean, it's just, it's so hard to know how to communicate this for me because I, ha I have these thoughts and trying to sift through them, whether they, they apply to everyone or whether they just apply to me, it's so tricky. Hmm. So tricky. So I, I say some of these answers with like, a lot of it's probably had to do with more of my heart or my lack of faith or how difficult it is to learn how to obey. And there might be others out there that they know how to obey really easily that they don't have to. I kind of feel like my temperament's more like Jonah where I'm fighting every inch. Um, I'm not like Abraham where the next day he <laughs> rises up to go sacrifice his son. Um, but I think this whole culture is neck deep in busyness. I think they're dying inside and drowning and um and and how to respond to that really it, it's it's not as easy as like a 12 step or it's not that easy to have like a formula because everyone it comes down to how they hear the voice now when you say that even the response then is like well I don't have time to hear the voice and really, that should be large, large red flags for anyone who calls on the name. Any sheep who calls on Jesus, that should be a huge red flag that we don't have time to hear the voice because it says in John that the sheep will know my voice. Mm. And, and so for some people, I think it's going to require them to sell all their possessions. And there might be some that they just need to pause and reassess. I, I, I'm, I'm going to steal this from Lance, but he, he said a couple years ago that it just stuck with me. Take a spiritual audit. Ask the Holy Spirit to just do an, mm. an all-out spiritual audit within 
everything. And so everything's on the table. What can what needs to be taken out? What needs to be taken off? What idols need to be crushed? And I'm telling you, this town has ten thousand times ten thousand <laughs> idols that that wow. intrude on the lives of those who who have who hunger for intimacy. And because the real the real deal is, if God's people began to be intimate with one another. The gates of Hades does have a problem, and right now the gates of Hades is running circles all over our cities because God's people have lost their way. They have a, they have conformed to the patterns of this world, and I'm telling you, if you would love the idea of just wrestling with or grappling with the idea of of eliminating the busyness uh, and learning to be still, or as uh, Mark mm-hmm. three fourteen says, that he pointed to twelve that they might just be with him and that he might send them out. I think it's just going to come down to, like, what does Jesus say? And then go ravenously obey that voice, even if it means you're going to become a fool. And I think at that point, you're going to have to grapple with the fear of man versus the fear of God. Well, I mean, that's it, Tim. I mean, Mm. the rhythm of a disciple is to listen and obey. It's not complicated. Yeah. And that means that listening, if we can only make space for for one thing in the whole wide world... Mm. like to be a follower of Jesus, it would have to be that. But everything, the world, the flesh, and the devil wars against that, you know. And, you know, part of what I hear you saying, Tim, is, you know, my friend Kalen used to say or says, um, radical problems require radical solutions. You mm-hmm. know, you, you don't kind of incrementally go from being addicted to busyness our identities based in it, our value tied up in in it. We our culture prides itself on it. So it's almost like, you know, you're the cool kid if you're the one that can like juggle lots of things and you always kind of seem like your hair's on fire, but you seem to pull it off. I mean like <laughs> I mean I mean yeah. that's those are our heroes. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's kind of who we want to be and we get addicted to that persona and um, so it's like, you know, radical problems require, re- require radical solutions. And, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's not just a few little tweaks. Sometimes it's big steps. Mm. I think really an overarching element is there's these two things that you can pursue. It's either going to be money or love. Mammon is so powerful and in this culture, you have to have mammon in order to to live within this system, it seems. But I would challenge that thought, um, or at least how would we begin to address that big cultural issue and shift towards it. But um, I think uh, the, the, the corporate world would say, uh, climb the ladder. And it seems like Jesus would say uh, things like, lay down these nets and I'll make you fishers of men. Um, or I think another thing that he would kind of challenge uh, America on would be like, do you pursue career or kingdom? And I think career right now, in order to stay in that world, people are having to give themselves 80 hours a week to that. Mm. Um, and and as a result, uh, that's an extraordinarily high level of busybodiness. So, uh, yeah, I just think, what would it look like to seek first the kingdom? It's, again, just going to come down to obedience. But I think it's time that there's kind of like some revolutionary shifts towards simplicity.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of We the Church. You can find us at wethechurchpodcast.com or you can find us on your podcast platform of choice by searching We the Church Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us.